physics world. Imagine you're at a science festival, just about to tuck into an exquisite spread of canapes, prepared by chefs who normally ply their trade in the world's top restaurants. You bite into a perfectly formed chocolate truffle, filled with caramelised chocolate ganache that melts on the tongue. The ganache is accompanied by a dark chocolate crumble, which contrasts beautifully with the citrus notes of a passion fruit gel. Now, as you're enjoying that taste sensation, a cosmologist speaking from a stage in front of you reveals that the ganache, crumble, and passion fruit represent the dark energy, dark matter, and the ordinary matter that make up our universe. This blend of fine dining and physics is the idea behind a new outreach project called G Astronomy. I'm James Dacey, a reporter for Physics World, and in this podcast. I visit Cheltenham Science Festival to catch up with the people behind this creative venture. A little later, you'll hear from the head chef, Joseph Youssef. But first, let's hear from the astronomy side of the partnership, Roberto Trotter. Well, it came about from my interest and passion for public engagement with science and astrophysics in particular. That's my subject. But equally, my interest and passion for food, which is uh, something that I, I feel very strongly about perhaps not unconnected to my Italian origin, origins, as it were. And, uh, and the idea that there should be better ways of, of communicating astronomy, astrophysics and cosmology to the general public and engaging the general public in a dialogue than just talking about it and just looking at pretty pictures from space, which is great, but it's only one of five senses. So how could we uh, engage more of our senses, and in this case, uh, taste, and could we use that as another portal to engage the public at large with astrophysics and perhaps to explain it in a different way or creating metaphors that would be more enticing and more engaging than the usual lecture. Trotter's day job is at Imperial College London, where he researches theoretical cosmology. He told me that the collaboration came about following a conversation with Youssef at last year's Cheltenham Science Festival. Both he and Youssef have a lot of experience with outreach activities in their respective fields. Of course, they have a head start in that many people are fascinated by space. And I mean, who doesn't like good food, right? But the big idea behind geostronomy is not to just take astrophysics and add some icing sugar. Trotter and Youssef believe that by engaging all the senses through high-quality food, they can create new ways of learning. They do this by creating and presenting food and drink recipes that communicate astrophysics concepts. Yes, um, the recipes are inspired by the science rather than um, mere reflections of the science. So that's, that's, that's the way we think about them. We, we try to create engaging, surprising metaphors for the concepts that we're trying to explain rather than models of the universe with food, which, which can be done, but it's something that has been done before. So we're trying to go one step beyond that. And, and this is but the first step in a series of, of, of events that we plan to do together where we develop this concept further. And so the kind of food that we're talking about, well, there is a great variety of things that we could have done and, and that Joseph has, has suggested we do, but in a festival setting it's all very, very hard. Mm. It really requires, especially the kind of refined molecular gastronomy cuisine techniques that we're talking about, really require professional kitchens and the whole, uh, the whole setting of, of a dining experience that's not available in a festival setting. So here we're talking about slightly uh, simplified versions of that. So we'll have uh, three canapes in Cheltenham uh, with a uh, titles that are suggestive, we hope, of what uh, has inspired them. 
The show in Cheltenham was the third outing of the Geastronomy Experience, following earlier shows in London at the Science Museum and Imperial College. The format I experienced was for 90 diners to sample canapes while listening to presentations about how the food was produced and what it represents. It was an evening show in Cheltenham Town Hall, and Yusuf and his fellow chef, Stefano De Costanzo, had prepared the food the previous evening in their London kitchen. When I arrived at the venue about an hour before the event started, it looked a bit like a scene from one of those cooking shows where everyone is rushing around and adding the finishing touches to their dishes while trying to keep a steady hand to plate up neatly. But despite the melee, I managed to grab Yusuf for a few minutes, and he seemed remarkably cool about everything. The creative food he produces is known in the food world as molecular gastronomy. I asked Yusuf if he could explain what this is. There's a bit of a misconception. Molecular gastronomy is really kind of a scientific field of research which is more in the domain of scientists than it is chefs. As chefs, I guess we use the principles of molecular gastronomy in our cooking. So Hervé Tis, who is the godfather of molecular gastronomy, um, would define, I guess, what we do in the kitchen as being molecular cooking, whereas his field of research is what you would consider molecular uh, gastronomy. But Molecular gastronomy, as it's become popularized, I guess, is um, very much about understanding the under, the underlying principles of cooking. It can be; it doesn't need to be all the airs and foams and spheres that people see. It can be just something as simple as understanding how proteins work when you cook a piece of meat or when you cook an egg, when you cook a piece of fish. Yusuf has worked at several top British restaurants, including the Fat Duck, which is famed for its creative, theatrical approach to food and dining. He's also the author of a new book called Molecular Gastronomy at Home, which aims to debunk some of the myths about this type of cooking. I want to know if Yusuf really does believe that he can take this style of dining to the masses. Well, Molecular Gastronomy at Home, as the title would kind of suggest, I guess, is really meant for home cooks, and it's, it's a very simple introduction. Um, the recipes are there as a guide. It is there more really to... Um, kind of educate people on the science behind the techniques and demystify a lot of maybe techniques that people feel are way beyond them but if you were to use corn flour for the first time in your life and you just threw it into a sauce and it went all lumpy you'd think you didn't know how to use corn flour it's actually very simple but because we're familiar with corn flour we feel, we feel quite confident using it but when you look at other hydrocolloids um, like let's say agar agar or xanthan gum just because of their names, because we're unfamiliar with them uh, in Western countries and anyway, um, all of a sudden there's an apprehension towards using them and this book is really just about demystifying all of that and making it something that hopefully um, the techniques that are outlined become a lot more approachable for people at home. And this uh, new project, G Astronomy, is sort mm -hmm. of combining molecular gastronomy and astronomy as a kind of teaching tool and they're not kind of things you necessarily associate with each other to begin with, so sure. how, how did that come about? Well, food is one of the kind of three basic needs, I guess, we have when you look at food, water and air. Um, but food is the only one of those three basic needs that as humans we engage in as a kind of a passion or for fun. And it's something that we all connect with. doesn't matter where in the world you're from. Food and gastronomy uh, make up a huge part of our lives in terms of how we celebrate, how we mark occasions and so on and so forth. And something that we can all relate to because we partake in every day. Now, 
because we have such a good under, or kind of great understanding or connection with food, it's a great medium by which to try and teach people about maybe slightly more complex um, ideas. And astronomy is definitely something that I don't feel uh, or that I don't think people find, let's say, um, relatable. But maybe through the medium of food, you can turn it into something that people feel is far more approachable. With that, I let Yusuf take to the stage and I took my seat with the other diners. The first item we were served was a cocktail called 13.796. Can you guess what that refers to? Yep, it's the age of the universe in billions of years. The drink was served in a classic conical martini glass and we learned that the clearly defined layers in our drink represented different epochs of the universe. Filling the base of the glass was an opaque mango puree representing the first 380,000 years after the Big Bang. Just as we cannot see anything from that period of the universe, we couldn't see the base of our glasses. And the mango was flavoured with smoke, from burning wooden chips of whiskey barrels to evoke the idea of a cosmic fireball. The cocktail's middle layer was made from jellified coconut Malibu, which represents the cosmic dark ages, when there was nothing except transparent emptiness. Then the top layer of the cocktail was jellified coconut water infused with vanilla pods, which signified the so-called Population 3 stars, believed to be the first generation stars in the universe. Trust me, it was as yummy as it sounds. Here's a short clip from Roberto's accompanying talk. So in your cocktail, like on the screen, time flows from the bottom upwards. As the universe expands, time uh, and cools down, it also becomes less dense, just like in cocktail does. Um, the first layer covers the first 380,000 years after the Big Bang. And it's the smoky flavor is actually a very good analogy for what this plasma does to the universe, so the universe being opaque to light, just like a room full of smoke doesn't let the light through because the light rays get bounced off the uh, smoke particles in the air. So the smoke analogy really uh, goes to representing the opaque plasma that fills the universe up until 380,000 years after the Big Bang. Having wet our appetites, next came the food. We each had a couple of parmesan twills, which are thin curved lattices of baked cheese, said in this case to represent the curvature of space-time. They were dotted with spiced tomato cream and black olive tapenade, said to represent dark matter and cold dark matter respectively. Then we closed up with dessert called Parallel Universes, a row of three chocolate truffles sprinkled with edible gold dust. The first was hollow, said to represent vacuum energy. The second was the one I described at the start of the podcast, where the proportion of ingredients corresponded roughly to the makeup of the universe. The 70% salted caramel being dark energy, the 25% dark chocolate crumble being dark matter, and the 5% passion fruit being ordinary matter. This was definitely my favourite one. And the final truffle was packed with a dark chocolate ganache, said to represent a very condensed universe. In the accompanying talk, Trotter spoke about how incredibly fine-tuned our universe is and how even the slightest of differences in the early cosmic history would have resulted in a radically different situation today. One of the other diners at my table was Saskia O'Sullivan. This is what she thought of the evening. I think my favourite one was the, um, the cocktail. 
I thought the concept was really excellent, the way he linked it to Primordial Fireball, that you couldn't see past that, so you had that sort of smoky mango bit, and then the, the clarity of the kind of dark part, and then the, the vanilla pods, and the... the it was tasty as well. It was really tasty, yeah, it was tasty. I thought the, the, the mix was good. O'Sullivan is a chemistry teacher at a local school in Cheltenham, and I asked whether she thinks food could be used as a teaching tool in her classroom. Oh, well, yeah, I don't know how you would do such amazing food, though. And I also, I, I thought the chocolate spheres were really clever, the way they had nothing in one, and then they, they'd match the sort of the percentages of, um, of our universe in terms of what they used, but then they thought about the flavours as well, and that was kind of the perfect one. Um, and so linking into this idea of us evolving in our perfect universe. So, uh, yeah, no, I thought they, that those two were my, my highlights of three, so that's pretty good. <laughs> I also thought the food was delicious. But there were times during the evening, though, when I wasn't quite sure whether I should eat or whether I should wait to be guided by the presenters. And when it comes to food, I think you have to be free to enjoy it at your leisure. I also think there's a question over who this project is aimed at given that the food is relatively complicated and expensive to produce. But Trotter and Yusuf made it very clear that this is still an evolving project that could now go in many different directions. I asked Trotter what they plan to do next. Well, we have a number of ideas for exploring this, this exciting collaboration in, in, on, different, uh, in the, on different levels. Uh, after the summer, we hope to be able to put together a, a special edition of G-Astronomy for people with, with uh, visual impairments. And the idea being that uh, astronomy is mostly nowadays uh, uh, perceived or experienced through, through, through sight, through vision. And what about uh, people who don't have that? the possibility and what kind of experience do they have with astronomy? Can we bring astronomy to them uh, in, in a different way, through a different sense, the sense of smell, the sense of taste, the sense of texture, for example, and can that help uh, talking about astronomy uh, specifically for, 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 for this group of people? And, and so that, that's going to be a, a new experience for us, trying to work together uh, um, with this community to find ways of uh, talking about astronomy, not I mean, just can, visually. Can you sort of give, give an example, or is it still very much in the idea stage at the moment? We, we have some ideas, uh, not fleshed out yet, uh, but for example, we, you know, when you're you're trying to represent things visually, you always have some sort of visual prop to anchor your thinking. But what if that's not available? Then can you use, for example, texture or taste in the mouth or sensations that are given to you by different kind of foods in the mouth and associations that go on almost unwittingly in your brain to bring about the same sort of connections than you would do visually, for example. The Geastronomy Project is funded in part by the Institute of Physics, which publishes Physics World. You can see some pictures of the food I had in Cheltenham by visiting the multimedia pages of physicsworld.com. You can also find out more about the initiative by visiting the website kitchen-theory.com, which also has lots of other general information about molecular gastronomy. So I hope this has been one of the tastier podcasts you've come across recently. And join us next month for another story from the physics community. Goodbye. Physics World.